Let's take our Bibles tonight, please. Uh, turn to Psalm 31 tonight, please. Psalm 31. Uh, Mike, it's a wonderful psalm. They all are. Uh, this is one uh, similar to some of the psalms that we've seen recently where David evidently is in trouble. If you've been here on Wednesday nights, you know David was in trouble a lot, right? If it wasn't one thing, it was another. And he's learned a lot from each trial. Praise God for that. And tonight it seems like in whatever the historical context is, uh, David has learned when there's trouble uh, to look to the Lord and to trust the Lord. And having done that, Zach, he's comforted that, you know what, God's in the situation. Uh, God's going to take care of me. God won't allow anything that God doesn't allow for his good purposes. Uh, David focuses on the strength of God, uh, the righteousness of God, the mercifulness of God, the goodness of God, the graciousness of God. He says, you know what? God's got this. God's got this. I want you, uh, as we go through the psalm tonight, I want you to be on the lookout for those, I guess it'd be six attributes of God that encouraged David. Let me list them again. You'd be on the lookout for them tonight. Uh, the first five are explicitly stated. David just comes out and prays God for these things. His righteousness... Uh, his mercy, his goodness and kindness, and those often go together. Uh, and then at the end here, I think we see a picture of the Lord's graciousness. And, and David was certainly thankful for that. Are you thankful tonight for the Lord's graciousness? I am too, Marilyn. Marilyn's shaking her head, and uh, boy, uh, I am too. Uh, let's just jump right in tonight. We see here tonight uh, the, the title uh, to the chief musician, a psalm. Uh, or song of, of David. And Zach, we're reminded these, uh, these are inspired songs that evidently were used in worship, but they're scripture as well. And um, just like the songs that, that we sing in our church, teach an awful lot of doctrine and truth. Marilyn, Marilyn there we go, encourage us. Uh, the, the hymns we sing aren't, aren't inspired uh, unless they're, they're scripture, but this is God's word. This is inspired, this is God's word. And so would take uh, that much more comfort and encouragement tonight from, from God's words. Uh, I'm going to pray again. We'll jump in. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your words tonight. Thank you for uh, their truth. Thank you, Lord, for their power. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the power of your words in my life and in the life of our church. Lord, I pray tonight that we take great comfort from you uh, in your Lord, words. Lord, we all have trials like David did and Lord, as you know, it seems like there's always some kind of trial, just, just like David knew in his life. Yet, Lord, we see, we can see tonight as we study through 1 Samuel and see here in the Psalms as well that you were teaching David. You were growing his faith, his trust, his reliance on you through all those trials with Saul and later on with Absalom and others. And, and Lord, we thank you tonight that we can see you at work in, in the trials of men and women in scripture as well as in our own lives. And so, Lord, I, I pray tonight that you help us to not bemoan our trials, but, Lord, to draw close and be thankful for those things that grow us. Father, I pray tonight as we look through this, as we study through this uh, wonderful psalm, that uh, we would find great encouragement here tonight. Lord, help us, encourage us, uh, comfort us tonight, please. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we jump in? Sound good? Uh, okay, Psalm 31. Psalm 31, uh, David's, David's comfort, David's trust and comfort in the faith of, face of difficulty. We see the title, again, it's to the chief musician, a psalm uh, of David. David says he's praying now. This, 
uh, psalm seems to, it looks like the entire psalm is a prayer. He prays and he says, in thee, O Lord, do I put my what? What does it say? Trust. There's all kinds of things or all kinds of people uh, that we could trust in. And we try to be trustworthy, but none of us is as trustworthy as the Lord. Amen, Brother Garcia? We let each other down. The Lord never lets us down. He, he's trustworthy. And David has learned that along the way. He's learned that God is absolutely trustworthy. When Saul was coming after him, uh, there, there was the Lord. When Saul came again, there was the Lord. When, when Absalom came, there was the Lord. God was perfectly trustworthy uh, to be present and, and to be available to guide and, and comfort and protect and strengthen David. He, so he says, oh Lord, do a, uh, let me try again. I get excited, Brother Ed. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. He says, let me never be ashamed. The idea here of, of a shame would seem to be uh, to be put to shame uh, or confounded by his enemies. Clear, clearly, there's some kind of enemy after David uh, in this psalm. We'll see this. That becomes, that becomes very clear. Uh, the word ashamed here is used a little bit differently than how we tend to think of it today, but uh, the idea would be put to shame by his enemies, confounded, defeated, uh, disappointed by, by his enemies. He says, Lord, I'm going to trust you to get me through this trial. Uh, Lord, I'm going to trust you uh, that, that if, you, if, if anyone could rescue me from, from my enemy and you choose to, uh, God, I know you can, so I'm going to trust you. And you know, we could take any trial that we face tonight and, and bring it to the Lord the exact same way. We could say, Lord, I'm bringing this trial to you, and I'm going to put it in your hands, uh, and I'm going to trust you because you are perfectly trustworthy. Has God revealed himself to be trustworthy to you? I think I asked that question this morning, right? Yes, he has. Yes, he has. And, you know, he doesn't always rescue us as quickly as we want or the way we want or when we want or how we want Sometimes we say, listen, I, I prayed and trusted God, but he has not delivered me from a certain trial. Marilyn, that's God's prerogative, right? We don't want to be Job and start angrily shaking our fist at God. God, well, I prayed and put my trust in you. You have to deliver me from this trial. No, God often does, but sometimes he doesn't. And as we often say, just, just as was the case in, in Job, God has a purpose for that. Uh, he has a purpose. So in any event, David's praying, Lord, I'm putting my trust in you, I'm putting the situation uh, in your hands. He says, deliver me uh, in thy, what's the last word of this verse, of verse one? What's the last word? Righteousness. He's delivering me in, in your righteousness. Probably an appeal here to God's justice, Brother Ed. David understands that the Lord is just. He's, he's righteous. Those are similar ideas. And I think David's coming and saying, hey, God, I'm not perfect, but, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure that I, I deserve the kind of trial that I'm facing. Uh, he's appealing to God's righteousness. Whether or not that was a right appeal, we understand tonight that God is righteous. Amen. Marilyn, he's perfectly right always, even when it doesn't seem right. Uh, I think I said this morning um, in Sunday school, I was talking about how um, Paul and Silas and Luke and team had been so faithful there in the early days of the second missionary journey. Uh, and, and in the face of their obedience and faithfulness, what happens? They, they end up in jail. Uh, they end up, they've been arrested, beaten, and jailed, right? Not just in jail. Uh, and I think this morning I said, that doesn't seem right. Well, to us sometimes it, that is not going to seem right. But God is righteous, and whatever, whatever he allows for his purposes, that's right. Uh, it's, it's righteous. It's never going to be wrong. Uh, God has a right and just pur purpose uh, in all that he allows, even when we can't see that. Uh, we know that he is perfectly righteous. Does he ever change? 
Does he ever change? Is he as righteous today as he was in David's day? Uh, he is. Yeah, he is. God is righteous. Understand that God allows wicked men to perform unrighteous acts at times. God has a purpose for that too. Don't forget that, please. God has a purpose for that too. So here David is wonderfully placing his trust in the Lord. He's praying. He's crying out to God. Uh, God, this is a bad situation, but I'm going to put my trust in you. What a wonderful example for us. Uh, David prays here that the Lord would hear him uh, and deliver him. Uh, verse 2, he says, bow down thine ear to me, deliver me. Uh, and he, he would prefer God would do that. How? Speedily. We talked about uh, the immediacy of obedience this morning. We saw an example of that. Well, David has uh, a heart that God would rescue him speedily. Brother Ray, that's always our heart too when we pray, right? When we're in trouble, uh, whether it's trouble of our own making or someone else's making, we, we want to be rescued speedily. That's always not God's plan. He doesn't always... He doesn't always rescue speedily, but it's okay to pray that. God, if it's your will, uh, get me out of this speedily, please. I want you to notice one thing here at the beginning of verse 2. Um, David prays to the Lord, bow down thine ear to hear me. We talk a lot about bowing down our hearts to the Lord, right? Humbly bowing down our hearts. Worship literally has the idea uh, of bowing down to him. David says here, Lord, bow down thine ear to me. He's not asking God to worship him, is he? It's not like that at all. Uh, in fact, this is a wonderful expression of David's humility. David understands that God is on high, right? God's up here. Uh, God, God is, is high above us in, in every way. I understand he's imminent also. He's indwelling us, but he is high above us in every way. His special presence in the throne room of heaven. I mean, in every way that could be, he's, he's glorious and, and, and high above us in every way. And so David humbly prays, God, you bow down your ear from, from uh, as far above me as you are down to me. Uh, Lord, I'm down here humbly. This is humble language. Uh, he's acknowledging who God is and who he is, and uh, he asks the Lord would bow, humbly bow down. Uh, David asks humbly, Lord, would you bow down your ear uh, to hear me, and, and would you deliver me speedily? He, you, you can tell from the first part of the verse that this, this is humility. He's not demanding anything from God. There's this wonderful humility in his prayer. It's not, God, you bow down to me, uh, you worship me, and you do my bidding. No, it's not. It's the opposite of that, Marilyn. He's humbly asking God to hear him and to deliver him from the trial that he's in. It's, it's humble. He's not making demands. Lord, help us to never make demands of you, please. Uh, David prays, this is a good prayer in the next part of verse 2, he prays that God would be his strength. Is God your strength? Is God your strength? He is. <laughs> Sometimes uh, we need to remind ourselves of that, and you know, it's good to pray. God, God help me to remember that you are my strength, uh, God, be my strength. David prays that. He says, be thou my strong rock. God, you, you be my strength. Be, be my foundation. He says, for a house of defense to save me. Uh, Lord, Lord, you be my strength that I cannot be uh, for myself. David knew that God is, but he's asking God to uh, exercise his strength on behalf of David. Marilyn, he's not demanding it, right? This is, this is a humble request. God, would you please... Uh, be my strength. Would you, would you be the strength that I cannot be, that I do not have uh, to protect me supernaturally in a way that I cannot do uh, physically? David knew that God is his strength. God is a strong 
uh, rock. He also knows that God is one that would lead him in the right way. And so uh, he prays for that also. So listen, you can, you can I said we're going to make a catalog tonight of God's attributes. And I, want, I want to do that. I want to make sure you do that. Maybe have separate paper. Uh, I'll get it out, Rich. Place on your paper and uh, your notes where you have a, like a list of, of God's uh, attributes. We didn't mention strength, I don't think. Put that in there. And then a, a list of David's prayer requests because these will all be wonderful prayer requests for us. God, God humbly, I ask you humbly, bow your ear to me. Deliver me from my trial as you see fit. God, you be my strong rock. You are David's strong rock. God, be my strong rock, for thou art my rock and, and my fortress. And David prays for God's leading, for God's guidance. And you know, you make, that, make a list of, of things that David prayed also, and maybe pray some of these same things this week, or you know, kind of have this as a list of things that David prayed when he was in distress that you could take out and say, hey, God, God inscripturated David's prayer request when he was going through a great trial. Uh, I believe that was for my instruction. Maybe, maybe that could be, I could pray these same things. And uh, I would encourage you to kind of have a list of David's prayers as well. So uh, he's prayed, God, I put my trust in you. Uh, God, deliver me. Uh, be my strength. Be my strong rock. Be my fortress. And then second part of verse 3, therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me. Uh, and guide me. Uh, Marilyn, I preached that an awful lot over the last year or two. Lord, help us to be yielded to you. Uh, you, you won't pray, God, lead me, guide me, unless you're yielded to him, because uh, that wouldn't make sense, right? We, we, we wouldn't pray, Lord, lead me, unless we intend to be led of him. It, it wouldn't make sense. I have to pray first, Lord, help me to be yielded to you, uh, and then pray, okay, now, Lord, lead me. God, help me to be truly yielded to you. Okay, and now that I'm yielded, now, thank you, Lord, for that. Uh, help me to know you're leading. Lead me, David says, and guide me. Once you notice um, here in this verse, David desired the Lord would lead him and guide him. Mike, there's no doubt David desired that for his benefit but for whose benefit does he speak to here? Does he say, God, I want you to lead me and guide me for my good, for my benefit? That's not what he says here. Uh, if you look at the second part of verse 3, middle of verse 3, he says, for, for what? For thy name's sake. He said, God, I'm asking you to lead me and guide me. And we would say, well, naturally, David desired that for his benefit. But he's praying that for the Lord's benefit. God, uh, I'm going to yield, and I'm going to ask you to lead me and, and guide me. Uh, and Lord, as you do, as you lead me and guide me and accomplish what you choose to accomplish in your leadership and your guidance in my life, he seems to be praying, Ed, God, I want you to be glorified in that. It's not, God, I'm not just praying this for me. His heart was that the Lord would be glorified as God led, and he stayed yielded to God's leading and followed the Lord's leading, uh, whether he's delivered or not, just staying faithful to the Lord. His desire was that God would be glorified in that. Mike, that's, uh, for me, that's convicting because, you know, I want to be rescued from trials for me, uh, I, I want to be led to safety for me. Uh, you know, we're, we're still too much about us too much of the time, right? Uh, Lord, help me to put me aside and, and let you come uh, into greater focus in my life. Lord, put me off the throne and uh, help me to keep you on the throne as, as my Lord uh, of, of my life. And, and Lord, please, everything that you do for me, 
Help my heart to be that it would be for your glory, not just for my benefit, but Lord, for your glory. It, doesn't it change everything when our lives are all about the Lord and not so much about us? Marilyn, it's so, it's so liberating when life is no longer all about us. <laughs> you know, we just let our own agendas go and say, God, here I am, I'm yours, take me, use me. It's wonderfully liberating uh, to not have a life that is all about me, 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 but to make it about the Lord, the Lord. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, it's, it's liberating. I don't have to do anything but yield myself to him, uh, search the scripture to know how he wants me to live, and, and ask him for strength to do that. Praise God. Praise God, that's, that's, that's the thing. David's heart was that uh, as God worked, God would be glorified in that. Well, verse 4 is encouraging also. I hope you find it encouraging. Uh, it, David says, pull me out of the net that it, they have laid privily for me. So there's enemies, uh, whatever trap they've set for him, however they've snared him. He says, Lord, you pull me out of the net that they have laid privily uh, for me. And then he says this. Uh, let's say it together, the last part of verse 4. He says, For thou art my strength. God, you're my strength. <laughs> He's prayed for that. He says back in the uh, second part of verse 2, he says, Be thou my rock, for thou art my rock and my fortress. He prayed, God, be my rock. Uh, be that for me. And Zach, you can kind of hear that he's saying, you know, be that and, and, and help me to really get a hold of that, right? That's good prayer. God, be my rock, be my strength. But I think implied in there is, Lord, really help me to get a, get a hold of that, to understand that, to remember that that is a fact. I'm going to pray for that, and I'm going to trust you for that, but help me to, to, for that to be real in my life and for me to draw confidence in you from the fact that you really are the strength of my life. And having prayed that uh, back in you know, a, a verse and a half ago, David has this wonderful confidence now, verse and a half later, that God really is his strength. He says, pull me out of the net that they've laid privily for me. He's, he's saying, God, I, I, I prayed that you'd be my strength, and I immediately he knows that God is and that God can rescue him from whatever trial he's describing there poetically, for thou art. Lord, you really are my strength. Can you say that tonight? Can you say that like David did? God, you know what? You really are my strength. It's not just something we say. It's not just something we read in the Bible. God, you really are my strength. I prayed for you to be that and, and to help me know that uh, and to live according to that truth. But God, you really are my strength. Thank you, Lord. If, if you could say that. Lord, you really are, and I mean that. I know that, and I mean that. You just stop, and you, you privately thank him. Uh, verses 5 and 6 are very interesting um, for a couple of reasons. Um, David reiterates his trust in the Lord. It seems to me, Rich, that as David has prayed and chosen to put his trust in the Lord, the Lord is blessing him with the confidence that he is trustworthy. Have you noticed that? When you, put your, when you choose to put your trust in the Lord, one of the blessings that the Lord brings forth into your heart is a greater confidence that he really is trustworthy. Uh, David prayed that the Lord would be his strength, and God pretty immediately blessed him with the confidence that God really is his strength. David prayed and put his trust in the Lord, and the Lord blessed him with the confidence that the Lord really is trustworthy. Uh, look at verse 5. He says, and we'll talk about this verse in other context in a moment. He says, into thine hand I commit or entrust my spirit. I've got to put, I put my whole self 
uh, into your trust. He says, Lord, into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me. Before we go on, do those words sound familiar? Do they sound familiar? Uh, I believe that this is probably what Jesus was referring back to upon the cross. Mike, as he was about to die, as he was there upon the cross about to die, he said, Father, into thy hand, I, hands I commend my spirit. Um, well, he was doing that literally, but uh, I think also re reflecting back on David's trust all the way back here in Psalm 31, verse 5. Uh, it's a reminder, David in so many ways is a picture of Christ. Despite being an imperfect man, uh, David ultimately becomes a wonderful picture of Christ in so many ways. As, as David um, just put his whole self into the Lord's hands, committing and trusting himself to the Lord, uh, Jesus did the exact same thing upon the cross as he was about to die. He just put the whole thing into the Father's hands and no doubt found great comfort in that. Um, Rich, we try awfully hard sometimes to fix things ourselves and we get pretty anxious because we know our own strength is pretty limited, um, but we just put it in God's hands. Yes, do what we need to do to be responsible, uh, but part of being responsible is being responsible to pray. Amen? Part of being responsible as believers is being responsible to pray. Say, Lord, help me. Help me to trust you. Help me to folks stay focused on your strength rather than my own weakness. Uh, Lord, help me to trust you. And he blesses us with greater confidence that he's strong despite our weakness. Uh, he, he is um, he's righteous <laughs> no matter what. Uh, he, he's good God. David says, into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me. O Lord, I love this next phrase. O Lord God of what? Isn't that great? Uh, one of the great titles of, of God in Scripture, O Lord God of truth. Uh, he is the Lord God of truth. Uh, Mike, he's the source of truth. There is absolute truth. There is truth and, and there is untruth and, and there's no middle ground. There, there's no gray. What God said is true is true because uh, he's the source of truth. He's the God of truth. Uh, truth is of God. You can read it backwards. Truth is of God. Uh, God is the source of truth. He defines truth. And you praise God for that tonight. As, as we've observed and I've spoken of many times over the years, there's, there's a real attack on the very idea of truth in the world today. Well, a, they can attack the idea all they want. The world can. God is still God, and his truth is still his truth. And no amount of attack on, against that fact is going to change that truth. Isn't that good? People can attack God all they want. They can attack the notion of truth all they want. God is still God. There's no chinks in his armor, Mike, no matter how strong of attack the world levies against him. And his truth is still his truth, no matter what people say. People can post all day long on Facebook that there's no truth and Christians are, you know, full of baloney and the Bible's not true. You know better. Amen. Isn't it good tonight that no matter what happens, no matter what happens in the world, God is still God and his word is still his word and his truth is still his truth. Nothing can change that. Isn't that good? God, no matter what happens. We... <laughs> I don't know if I should mention this or not. I've been talking about these UFO videos that have been uh, shown in the media, and there's going to be some report coming out, we think, next month, and I don't know what it'll say. We really don't know. Um, but here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. 
Brother Ray, no matter what shows up in a video, no matter what shows up in a report, the Lord Jesus Christ is God the Son. The gospel is still the gospel. The Bible is still the Bible. God's truth is still God's truth. Nothing will ever change that. Amen? Nothing's going to change that. You worry about that or they're aliens. I think it's pretty, very unlikely biblically. Amen? Have you noticed that the, according to creation account, the earth is the first thing that God created? Uh, and have you noticed that he seems to have placed it at the center of his creation? It seems to be the focal point of his creation. Seems like he would have mentioned if there was life somewhere else. Maybe he chose not to, Zach. I don't know. But uh, biblically, it would be pretty unlikely. But no matter what we see, whether it's real or not, uh, it doesn't change the fact that truth is truth. The Lord is the Lord. Christ is Christ. The Bible is the Bible. The gospel is the gospel. The Bible remains absolutely true because he is the Lord God of truth. Uh, nothing is ever going to change that. David said, I have hated them that regard lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. Yeah, because he's the Lord God of truth. Uh, he alone is trustworthy. So you put trustworthiness, I suppose, on your catalog of attributes also. The next thing we see here is David took great comfort in God's mercy, Brother Ed, and this is certainly uh, uh, belongs in our catalog of God's attributes also. Uh, David took great com comfort in God's mercy. He needed God to be merciful uh, and deliver him from a trial. He said, Lord, you're a God of mercy. You're a God of strength. You're, you're a God of power. You're, you're a God who leads and guides and, uh, and protects. You're, you're a God of, of truth. You're, you're, you're a God of mercy. I need you to be a God, my God of mercy right now. He says in verse 7, I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy. Thy mercy. I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy. Uh, maybe tonight you're not glad or rejoicing. Maybe you've allowed the difficulties of the week or the day to kind of become dark clouds over your head. Well, let's pray. Lord, just part those clouds and, and help us to see you for who you are tonight, uh, uh, strong and trustworthy and righteous, one who guides, uh, one who is, is truthful, uh, one who is merciful. And Lord, help us to be glad and rejoice in, in these truths about you. Listen, if, if you can't be glad and, and rejoice in who the Lord is and what he's like, something's wrong. Uh, you can fix that, though. You can say, Lord, help me. Lord, Lord help me uh, to be glad and rejoice in who you are and what you're like. And, you know, when you're down, you come back to this list and say, wow, Lord, just in that one psalm, I see so much about who you are and what you're like. And David was glad and rejoiced in, in, in those things. And, Lord, I'm going to choose to do that also. David had to choose to put his trust in the Lord to discover just how blessed with a greater confidence of his trustworthiness. Sometimes you have to just choose to be glad and rejoice and then let God bless you with a greater joy. Lord, help us to, to rejoice in who you are and what you're like. David says, I'll be glad and rejoice in thy mercy. For thou hast considered my trouble, you know my trouble, thou hast known my soul in adversities, you know me, you know my trouble, uh, and has not shut me up in the hand of thine enemy, you've not let me be just completely taken away or killed, thou hast set my feet in a large room. He says in verse 9, now have mercy upon me, got to know you're merciful, it's on, his, on the basis of David's knowledge of God and God's mercy that he humbly asked God to be merciful toward him. And by the way, it's the same for us. You know a lot about God's attributes, who he is, what he's like, 
And on the basis of your knowledge of God, you can make, we, we not just you, me too, we can make uh, prayerful requests of God too. God, God be merciful in my situation. Uh, God be merciful in, in my trial. David prays humbly, Lord have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eyes is, uh, is consumed, mine eyes consumed with grief. Yea, my soul uh, and my belly. He says, I'm just all eaten up with grief, Lord, in, in this situation that I'm in. Now, verse 10 is interesting. David humbly acknowledges to Zach. It seems like he says, he confesses, Lord, I, I know that some aspect uh, or, or this difficulty is at least partially the result of my own sin. He says, God, I, I'm, I, I'm coming to you asking you to be gracious because I acknowledge that uh, I, I'm in this difficulty, whatever it was, in part at least because of my sin. He, he humbly acknowledges that the trouble he's in is a consequence, whether it's a direct consequence of a specific sin or whether he's saying, God, I, I, I know that you're chastening me for my sin. David acknowledges that. That's a good thing uh, to acknowledge. He says in verse 10, for my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. It's poetic language, uh, but you understand. He says, my strength fell because of mine iniquity. Lord, my strength fails because of mine iniquity uh, and my bones are consumed. He's filled with grief and distress. And he says, Lord, I know, I can, he's confessing it, right? I confess that this situation is in part at least, uh, he's saying, it's just, I confess it is a result of my sin. Brother Ray, when we're convicted of that, that we're in a tough situation uh, because of some sinful choice we've made, we do well to confess it, right? Lord, I agree with you, that's, that's sin. When we become aware, or convicted, or suspect that we're facing a trial in, in large part because of sin, the Lord's trying to drive us to repentance or encourage our repentance, we do well to say, Lord, I, I get it. <laughs> this is, this is the, 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 the corrective hand of loving Father. And uh, I confess my sin, help me to repent of it, help me to come about, change course, repent of my sin. David goes on and just briefly here for two or three verses talks about just how bad the trial is. Mikey feels like everyone is against him. And you know, for David, at times everybody was, or just almost everyone was. Uh, hear his words regarding how how, how difficult his trial feels to him. He says, I was a reproach among all mine enemies. So yes, his enemies are his enemies, but especially among my neighbors. <laughs> Everybody's after me, my enemies, yes, but my neighbors also, and a fear to my acquaintance, you know, friends, uh, that they um, did see me with, without fled from me. I am forgotten as a dead man uh, out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. It's poetic language, that's simile. Uh, but you understand how he feels. He says, for I've heard the slander of many. Uh, fear was on every side. I feel attacked from every side. Well, they took counsel against me. They devised uh, to take away my life. I feel so threatened that I, people are out to get me. He could, he could be killed. Brother Ray could have been killed by Saul, could have been killed by any number of people uh, along the way. Uh, David felt like he was uh, in a difficult situation and that his life was threatened because he was. <laughs> he was in a difficult situation uh, and his life was threatened. I appreciate, I said something like this this morning. You see something like verse 11, 12, and 13. Whose words are these? 
Now, understand, they're, they're David's words. This, this is how David felt. David wrote this down. But they're inscripturated by the Lord, right, Marilyn? So the Lord put these words here. This is how David felt, but the Lord is um, allowing David to inscripturate how he felt, to place this into uh, the canon of Scripture. Why would God allow that? Well, uh, I think, and I, I said, some, again, something like this this morning, I think the Lord wants us to know that he understands how we feel sometimes. He understands that trials are hard and, and how they make us feel. The Lord understands um, that we can at times feel extremely distressed, um, feel like everyone is coming at us from every direction. Um, I think verses 11, 12, and 13 are here because the Lord wants us, Mike, to understand that he, he gets it. He understands the, um, how we feel. By the way, he made us, right? So he certainly understands. Is the Lord ever out to get us? He's never out to get us. And so, Marilyn, we have to remind ourselves of that, right? When it feels like everybody's after us, everybody's out to get me, when it feels that way, you got to stop and say, well, I understand a lot of people may be after me or out to get me or troubling me somehow, some way. But God never is, right? God never is. You always have an advocate in the Lord, right? He may allow a trial to correct us, but that's for our good and for his glory, right? He's never out to get us, right? He's always on our side. And so don't, don't forget that. Lord, help me to remember when it seems like there's no hope and everyone's after me, there's, there's just no one who's on my side. Remember the Lord is. Uh, who is on the Lord's side? Well, we are, but he's on our side too, Janet. Praise God for that. Um, David says in, in verse 14, he he quickly comes to this realization. It seems like everybody's after him. No one's on his side, but verse 14. So that's a, that's a big point of contrast. Right? I, I, I circle that, I underline it. He says, but I trusted in thee, O who? O Lord. The Lord says, everybody's out to get me, but I'm going to keep trusting in you. He says, uh, he says, I said, I'm going to go back to the first part, but I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, thou art, what are the next two words? My God, not just God. He is that. I don't mean to minimize that. But he says, my God. Is the Lord your God? Is the Lord your God? Yes, he is. He's our God, Mike, as much as he was David's God. And he's available to us in all the same ways that he was available to David in his day. Um, you might argue e even, even more because we're indwelt. We're indwelt. Uh, but I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my God. When it feels like there's no one on our side, you can pray and say, Lord, I, I know you're on my side. I'm going to trust you. Uh, verse 15, he goes on. He says, my hands, he says, my times are in thy hand. That's, that's poetic language. David says, God, I, I know that uh, my entire life is in your hands. No matter what. Uh, what's implied here is, is God's sovereignty. You could put that on your list of attributes also. It's at least implied here. David says, Lord, my times are in thine hand. I understand, Lord, um, every moment of my life is in your hands. Is that true for us today? Is God still in that much control today? Is every moment of our life in the Lord's hands? Is it? Is it? It is. <laughs> And you draw great comfort from that. Remember, God, I, you can pray that. God, thank you. My times are in thy hand. Every moment of my life is in your hand. You're in control. Uh, Lord, thank you. 
And on the, the basis of that truth, God's sovereignty, he says, again, deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. He says, God, I know I'm, I'm trusting in you. Uh, and one of the reasons he's trusting God is because he knows that God is completely sovereign. And on that basis, he says, again, deliver me. He comes back to mercy once again. He says, make thy face, verse 16, make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me uh, for thy mercy's sake. So again, yes, he wants to be rescued, but in the end, he wants God to be glorified uh, by this rescue. David begins to pray in precatory prayers against wicked enemies. Uh, and of course, he, he does so famously in many of the Psalms. He says, let me not be shamed, O Lord, for I've called upon thee. The fact that he's called upon the Lord and prayed, that's the basis of his hope. He says, let the wicked be ashamed. Lord, based on my prayer uh, and, and my trust and my reliance upon you and uh, your righteousness and, and, and your mercy, he says, let the wicked be ashamed, not me. Let them be silent in the grave, dead, if that's what God would choose. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak grievous things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. And, of course, David is referring to himself as righteous now. And yeah, he says, Lord, you know, you're, you're a righteous God. And certainly I'm relatively righteous compared to these wicked people that have come against me. So uh, again, he's imploring the Lord to act righteously uh, as a righteous God. And then we have verse 19, uh, where, where David appeals to God's goodness. Get that down on your list of God's attributes, please. He says, oh, how great he's praying. This is a great prayer. We pray this. Oh, how great is thy goodness. That's a good prayer. Lord, oh great, how great is thy, your goodness, which thou hast laid up from that, for them that what? What are the next words there? Church? Fear thee. Not just fear, right? He says, how, oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee. That goes right back to this morning's message, right? Uh, the Lord desires to bless those who fear him. Mike David would have been greatly tempted to fear men. I mean, those that are coming after him. There, there would be a temptation to really be afraid and to be caught up and paralyzed by, by that fear. But he's saying, no, you know what? I'm going to fear the Lord instead. He's good. He's merciful. He's strong. He's righteous. He's, he's the God of truth. Uh, instead of fearing those that are opposing me, I want to fear God. And I'm going to trust him to bless me. He says, oh, Lord, how, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee. That's certainly a picture of God's uh, blessings that he has for those that would choose to fear him instead of men. He says, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Yet, yeah, sure enough, I'm going to trust you uh, and fear you instead of men. That goes directly back to uh, our message this morning. David, again, takes comfort. Uh, in these truths. Verse 20, he says, Thou shalt hide them in secret of, let me try again, Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of men, man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Uh, da Rich, David was looking uh, again for God's protection and um, trusting that the God who is the God that he's prayed all these attributes uh, is God who is able to protect uh, his man. David concludes um, praising the Lord for his kindness. His goodness and kindness are, and mercy are all very closely related, aren't they? Uh, verse 16, his mercy. Verse 19, his goodness. 
verse 21, David speaks to God's marvelous kindness. These are all very closely connected ideas. They all kind of fit together. They, they weave together a tapestry of a good and righteous God. He says, blessed be the Lord, verse 21, for he has showed me his marvelous kindness. Well, praise God. He's a marvelous God. Mike, all of his attributes are marvelous. His kindness toward us is marvelous. His mercy toward us uh, is marvelous. His strength is marvelous. His trustworthiness is marvelous. His truth uh, is marvelous. He says, blessed be the Lord. He's praising the Lord, uh, worshiping him, for he hath showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. It's, it's poetic language, but uh, David seems to be immediately praising God for answering his prayer. He's prayed. And um, having prayed, he just begins to worship the Lord with a wonderful confidence. Um, verse 22, just several verses left here. We'll look at them quickly, but they're important. Verse 22 is wonderful, and it implies God's grace. I'll ask this again tonight as we close. Are, are we thankful for God's grace? Yes. Uh, yes. David says this in verse 22. He says, for I said in my haste, I'm cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, let me go back to the beginning. He says, for I said in my haste, I'm cut off from before thine eyes. It seems like David is saying, God, you know, um, when this trial got really bad, before I bowed down and began to pray and put my trust in you, um, I let myself feel like there was no hope. You ever been there? And he's just, he's just confessing that. He said, God, before I, you know, before I took my eyes off the situation and put my eyes upon you, I allowed myself to feel hopeless, like there was no hope. Boy, this verse is here because, you know, we're guilty of that at times. Uh, have you ever felt hopeless? Have you ever felt hopeless? The Lord knows that sometimes we do. And it's because we allow ourselves to be more focused on the difficulty of the trial than on the power and presence of God. Amen? You can focus on the difficulty of the trial or the power and presence of God. You focus on the difficulty of the trial, often, I mean, that's, that leads us to a dark place where we feel hopeless. David confesses that. He says, for I have said in my haste, I'm cut off from before thine eyes. That's where he began before, evidently, before he penned this psalm down. And then he says this. He says, nevertheless, Lord, nevertheless, despite that, despite uh, me allowing myself to feel hopeless, he says, thou heardest the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, it seems like David is expressing thankfulness for God's graciousness. He says, Lord, I allowed myself to go to a bad place uh, and to be hopeless, um, and to feel like there was just no, no one who could help me, uh, including you. And yet, when I finally got down on my knees, you, you graciously heard me. He, Marilyn, he seems to be acknowledged, God, you didn't have to do that. Uh, I don't deserve that. I don't deserve to be heard by you because of where I began. But God, you're a gracious God. You heard my prayer, even though I don't deserve that. Why did God put that verse in, in our Bible? Why did God put that verse in our Bible? Because, Mike, he wants us to know that he's a gracious God who is ready, able, and willing to hear us when we are ready to be heard of him. It doesn't matter where we began. 
What matters is, where am I now? You know, if, if you're in the midst of a trial, you feel hopeless, or you've been there in the past, or you find yourself there in the future, um, and, and you allow yourself to go to a bad place, you know, further and further and further down the drain, and more and more depressed and dark and depressed and scared and anxious. Um, God is able and willing, willing to hear our prayer despite the fact that we sinfully didn't turn to him in the first place. That's good and that's important because we do that more than we should. For I said in my haste, I'm cut off before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplication when I cried unto thee. God's willing to hear. He's ready, able, and willing to hear when we're ready to cry out to him graciously. We don't deserve that. We don't deserve that. And so uh, David, um, he commands two responses here based on all that he has revealed here uh, about the Lord, about his trial, about God's uh, availability to us in trials and, and who God is and what God's like and all that God is and all that he does for us. David gives us a response here. He commands, it's the Lord, of course, working through David. Uh, the Lord commands uh, at least two major, uh, there's at least two major imperatives or commands here. We need to get a hold of these. Uh, first one is, is verse 22. He says, oh, what? Forgive me, verse 23. Oh, what? What does it say, Zach? Oh, love the Lord. <laughs> love him. Love him. Boy, he's, he's worthy of that. Uh, how much does he, uh, his love for us is implied in all of his other attributes. Did you ever stop and think about that? God's love for us is implied in all of his attributes. His grace, his mercy, his goodness, his kindness. I mean, that, that is reflective of his love for us. Uh, and, and our response to his love is to love him back. To love him back. Here the Lord commands through David's pen, Oh, love the Lord, all ye his saints. Uh, are we... Part of the ye his saints? I believe we are. Oh, oh, love the Lord, all ye his saints. For the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully reward the plowed, proud doer. Uh, listen, that's, don't, don't miss the meaning of the last part of that. Uh, yes, he preserves the faithful. And, and David was looking for God to preserve him, to rescue him from that trial. And plentifully rewardeth the what? What are the last two words? The proud doer. What kind of reward is being pictured there, Zach? Not the kind of blessing that we're looking for, is it? Uh, the, the, the reward of the proud doer would be the opposite of a blessing, right? That would be, uh, that would be correction or judgment or, or something like that. Uh, the Lord preserves the faithful, uh, and, and he will execute judgment and justice against the proud, you know, the wicked. Um, love him. Our, our response to that is to love him, uh, invest ourselves in loving him. Jesus said, if you love me, obey me. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but that's the, that's the idea. Love him, uh, serve him, uh, give ourselves to him in the way that we saw in this morning's message. Uh, nothing else makes sense. Nothing else makes sense. Love him. Um, Lord, help us to love you. And not just that ooh, ooh, ah, ah, right, Marilyn, but to do for him as he has done for us. I know that there's never going to be a point in which I will have done as much for the Lord as he has done for me. It's not, we're not trying to tip that scale or balance that scale. We, we can't. 
I don't believe we ever will at any point in eternity. I don't believe we ever can, no matter how much time we have. Mike, we just keep on loving him, no matter what. He is worthy of our love. He desires. May I ask you this? Has God earned your love? Has he earned that? I believe he has. I believe he, does he deserve it? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. So love him. Love him. Do for him. Serve him. Worship him. Pray. Worship him. And then David says this. This is a command from the Lord penned down by David. Verse 24, it's the last verse, and we're done. He says, be of what? Be of good courage. Be of good courage. Uh, and he, there's a promise here also. And he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Be of good courage. Put your hope in him. <laughs> For all the reasons that David has revealed, he's worthy of that. He's worthy of being loved. He's worthy of being trusted. Uh, and be of good courage. Draw, draw great encouragement uh, from these truths. Uh, choose to be encouraged. Sometimes you, you have to choose to be encouraged by the word of God. And I hope you, you've chosen that tonight. If you haven't, that you will choose that. And stop and pray, Lord, you know, there's, there's so many things, so many wonderful truths about you, the God of truth, that I've seen tonight. Uh, I want to take care tonight that I'm not just hearing these things and kind of, you know, receiving them into my brain, but not letting them encourage me. Lord, help me to be encouraged tonight. Uh, by these truths. You're trustworthy, Lord. You're there for me always, even when I don't deserve it. By the way, we probably never deserve it. Uh, Lord, you're there for me despite the fact that I don't deserve that. David says this in verse 22, and these are God's words penned down by David. Love him, obey him, look to him for grace to do that. Be encouraged. Choose to be encouraged and ask God to help you be encouraged. Uh, in response, he'll strengthen our hearts as we hope in him. Marilyn, we need that. Let's stop and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, tonight for this psalm. Thank you for David's uh, choice, his example of choosing to trust in you, uh, a God who is righteous and strong and merciful and good and kind and gracious. Lord, you are absolutely worthy of our trust. Lord, thank you tonight for being a gracious God who's there for us despite the fact that we're not worthy of that. Lord, thank you so very much. I pray tonight, Lord, that um, we would choose to respond to the truths that you've revealed here tonight just exactly as you've commanded. Lord, that we love you. Lord, that we would, we would choose to obey you and worship you, to give ourselves to you, to love you, to live for you. Lord, I pray tonight that if we are convicted that we don't love you the way we should, Lord, that we confess that and ask your strength to do that. God, help us to love you more. Help us to put ourselves more fully into loving you, obeying you, living for you. And Lord, help us as well tonight to choose to be encouraged by these truths, wonderfully encouraging truths that you've revealed for us, for our encouragement. Lord, I pray tonight that uh, if we've not yet made that choice, that help us to now. And Lord, help us to, to pray. God, help me to be encouraged by these things. I need to be encouraged. Lord, help me to be encouraged by these things. And uh, Lord, as you help me, I pray that you'd strengthen my heart and help me to hope in you. And Lord, to remember all the things that we've seen tonight 
uh, when we face difficulties. Lord, you are a God who is trustworthy and strong and able and available to us. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Give you a moment to pray. Lord, I thank you tonight for who you are and what you're like. Father, I'm reminded tonight that the David that we see in 1 Samuel, who suffered so many trials and difficulties, great difficulties over a long period of time, Lord, you clearly, you clearly use those trials to grow David, to mature him in his faith and his walk with you. And we see that in the Psalms. Uh, Lord, it's, uh, it's marvelous how you worked in trials to bring a man along this far to a place where his heart would be to pen down these words, your words. Lord, I know tonight that you continue to work in trials. You, you bring us from less mature to more mature, and you, you grow us by leaps and bounds through great difficulties. Lord, help us not to question that. You know what it takes to grow our faith, our reliance upon you, our obedience to you. Lord, you know what it takes to bring us to the place where we, we do what is right in giving ourselves to you more completely and serving you uh, with more earnest and with more of our being and time and talent and energy and all the things that you have given us. Lord, I thank you tonight that, that you know what it takes to mature your people. Lord, I thank you tonight that as you work in trials, as you allow trials, you are there for us always. We don't deserve it. <laughs> Lord, it's your grace. I thank you so much for that. God, you are right there in the midst of trials with us. Lord, I think back to the fiery furnace, Daniel, and the fact that you were literally in the midst of that fire. Lord, you're literally in the midst of trials with us even tonight. And I thank you so much, Lord. You're not a far-off God. You're a God who is there with us always. You've promised to not leave us nor forsake us. Lord, we believe you. Help us to take great, great encouragement, to be encouraged. Lord, to set aside discouragement and depression and anxiety and instead look to you and to rejoice and be glad in you. Lord, I pray tonight for anyone who does feel down, anxious, or depressed. We don't judge them, Lord. We just ask that you would help them tonight, help them to know your grace, and, Lord, to look to you, to look to you uh, for grace and strength and joy and gladness. Lord, help us to take our eyes off difficulties and to place them back upon you, to be grateful for what you teach us in difficulties and to be grateful for the God that you are. Lord, I love you tonight. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for being here tonight. Thank you. You are encouraging to me, and I appreciate that. Zach, you come, please.